great to be here, and uh, we, we love our partnership with First Press San Mateo. Um, we have uh, several partners that are members of this church that have been supporting our ministry with Africa Inland Mission for many years, and so we praise God for that. We, we've so appreciated the partnership of this church with projects that we've presented to you for your Easter offering that you've um, participated in, and the team that you sent with us three years ago to Europe to minister to refugees and migrants, like the Delamere's were on that trip, and so many wonderful partnerships. So thank you for welcoming me back this morning to bring the word to us and to learn together what God has for us and what he wants to do in and through us. So it's a pleasure to be here and to be among family and friends at this church here on 25th Avenue in San Mateo. What a great place and what a great worshiping community. And uh, I, um, I'm excited about this particular passage from Colossians today. I've been sitting in Colossians actually for many months and um, I'll share a little history about why that is. But I wanna bring greetings from my wife Maureen and our four kids who aren't here because they all have different activities and ministries this morning at our home church in Redwood City. We, um, we're going to start by this psalm, uh, Psalm 92. You can go to the next slide. And um, it's a beautiful psalm that God put on our heart on a recent trip. Um, we've been looking at this little project for North Africa called the Sea to Sahara Project. Um, and part of that was uh, a couple of months ago, going to one of the countries in North Africa and training some local believers in this business methodology where local believers that are church planters can be self-supporting through their businesses and have a, a reach in the community that is unique rather than them de being dependent from outside resources. But before I take a trip with a group of people, um, I always ask God to give me some scripture that will be a guide for us a prophetic word for us as we go out in the land. And he gave us this amazing psalm, Psalm 92. And in these verses it says, The righteous flourish like the palm tree, and they grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord, and they flourish in the courts of our God. Even in their old age they bear fruit, ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is altogether righteous. The Lord is my rock, and I will praise him. And this psalm became a prophetic word for us, and you can see these pictures. And as we went through this land that used to be, at one time in history, um, uh, one of the centers of Christian faith in the world, that has now been completely desecrated in terms of uh, falling to Islam in the 6th, 7th century, and very few believers, in particular in this country. And we were going to declare this righteous land again to be um, claimed by Christ. And as we went, we found uh, palm trees out in the middle of the desert in certain parts where we went, where the unreached areas were. And uh, we just 
prayed this psalm again over this land as we saw that palm tree flourishing in the, in the, the, the beginning of the Sahara Desert. And then when we went up into the mountains in some Berber villages and we found the cedars growing at the foothills of the, of the Atlas Mountains and we were saying, yes, Lord, this is what we want to see happen. But not only this, but if you go to the next slide, this land is really important because at one time there was a place called Carthage. And there was two women that I believe were the seeds of the church uh, that grew and flourished until the the 4th and 5th century there in um, North Africa. And their names were Perpetua and Felicity. And these were young ladies. One was from an aristocrat family, a wealthy, privileged family. Uh, Her name was Perpetua. And a slave who was a friend of hers named Felicity. And they were in their young 20s, young brand new moms with infant babies. And they had chosen to identify with Christ and have their identity as Christ followers. In the midst of Rome, Roman rule, that uh, declared that you had to pay a tax. And when you paid that tax, you had to declare that Caesar and the rulers of Rome were God. And they rejected that, and they claimed their faith in Christ, and there was severe persecution. And there in um, this amazing place in North Africa, there was uh, uh, an amphitheater and a, and a coliseum similar to in Rome, and they persecuted the Christians there. And Felicity and Perpetua were some of the most famous because they documented their journey of faith and persecution in, in a journal while they were in prison there. And um, it's an amazing story. I encourage you to read it. And at one point, when they finally, after they were convicted of their crime of being Christians, they were brought to their, um, to be, um, you know, killed in the amphitheater or in the Colosseum. And as the animals were unleashed on them, a wild boar hit Um, Perpetua knocked her down and as she stood up, I can't see back there, but she said to her friends in the arena with her, she said when she had had been pierced, certain signs of her injury in her body, she encouraged her fellow martyrs to approach and she addressed them saying, stand fast in the faith and love one another, all of you, and be not offended at my sufferings. And what an amazing testimony of a 22-year-old brand new mother in the face of death, but she was so rooted in her identity in Christ. A few days before that, her father was pleading with her, give up your faith, you know, for, for my sake and for your baby's sake, please. And she, she pointed to this, this vase, and she said, Father, what is that? And he said, it's a vase. And she said, can it be called by any other name? And he said, no. And she said, that's with me. For I'm a Christian, I can be called by no other name. Amazing faith. But in the midst of that, she was encouraging her fellow believers to stand strong with her. Like that flourishing palm, like that cedar growing in Lebanon. And we, as the body of Christ, planted in the courts and the house of our God. I want you just for a second to think about that psalm and your life. Visualize yourself in the garden of your Lord, in the courts of your God, in his kingdom, as a fruit-bearing, strong tree that's planted securely in Christ. Just think about that. Visualize that for a second.
you go to the next slide, there's three things I want us to walk away with together. I want us to, to say these together. There's three simple points that we're to, to gather from this, uh, the seven verses of chapter two in Colossians we're going to look. So let's say it together. Get rooted, keep growing, and be fruitful. So let's say it again. Get rooted, keep growing, and be fruitful. That's what this scripture is encouraging us today. Now, why was Paul writing the church in Colossae? So if you go to the next one. So Paul was writing first to encourage them in their position in Christ. And he, he celebrates them in the first chapter by saying, whenever we pray for you, we thank God because of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all the saints because your, your faith that's stored up in heaven. So he's commending them and he's reminding them of their rootedness and their identity in Christ. And then thirdly, he was wanting to warn them of the false teaching that was threatening the trends of the world and the, the, the winds of doctrine and philosophy that were threatening to derail them and destabilize them from their identity in Christ. And lastly, he was exhorting them to live out their faith in such a way that they could grow. Like Perpetua and Felicity, from their faith and their sacrifice, the church became so strong in North Africa. It's amazing. That's where Augustine had his, um, where he became one of the main church leaders of his century and wrote extensively and helped us develop a lot of our theology and actually the council that was held there in that city was where they, they uh, canonized the scripture in the um, fifth century. So amazing traditions happened as a result of the faith of these young martyrs. And I am getting inspired by that, and I hope you are as well. So Paul was writing these things, and what was he teaching them? If you go to the next slide, he was teaching them about Jesus authority and accomplishment on the cross. He was reminding them that Jesus is supreme over everything in heaven and on earth. And he was reminding them of our hope and freedom in and through Jesus. So he was teaching them the solid biblical foundation of our life and our significance and our position in Christ because of his accomplished work on the cross. Okay, so Get rooted, keep growing, and be fruitful. Let's uh, read the chapter, uh, the first seven verses of Colossians 2. For I want you to know how great of a struggle I've had for you and those at Laodicea and those who have not seen me face to face, so that their hearts might be encouraged and they will be knit together in love, reaching or attaining to the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say these things that so no one may delude you through persuasive argument or through, you know, philosophizing. And though I am absent in the body, I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good standing or position 
and also your maturity or your stability in the knowledge and faith in Christ. Therefore, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him, being rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, and abounding in thanksgiving. Hallelujah, what wonderful words for us. We're mostly gonna camp out in verses six and seven, but all the background to those two verses are found in the earlier uh, verses that we'll be reminding ourselves. Okay, so those two verses again. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, and just as you learned, and abounding in thanksgiving. And that last part is so significant because that's the fruit and it starts from a foundation of thanksgiving, of celebration of who we are in Christ. So let's look at the first point there of get rooted. The next slide. What does it mean to get rooted? Now this whole idea is really, if we go to John chapter 15 where Paul or where Jesus is encouraging his disciples before he goes to the crucifixion and before he departs to be with his father in the kingdom, he's encouraging them to, to be rooted in Christ, to, to, to abide in Christ. And Paul is giving a lot of words of encouragement about what this looks like in the earlier verses. He's talking about them being stable and steadfast in their faith. It's talking about Christ in you. And we all know that, that verse that says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in us, the mystery of the incarnation, then also being incarnate in our hearts and in our lives and manifesting itself, Jesus, through us. He talks about um, the knowledge of Jesus and that fullness. So Jesus being preeminent. So we get rooted as we grow in our knowledge and our relationship with Jesus. And I want to ask you right now, how are you feeling rooted in Christ? Maybe some of you aren't believers or you're on a journey of faith with Jesus. And so this, is, this kind of language is unfamiliar to you and you're thinking, what is he talking about? But our faith rests on the accomplished work and person of Jesus Christ, that our life force is when we are united so significantly with him that his life force flows through us. Remember that psalm, it says, you flourish like a palm and like a cedar in Lebanon. They are bearing fruit, even in old age, full of sap and green. It's that, that life force, it's the the blood and spirit of Jesus flowing through us and manifesting itself in our lives. So being rooted is about the knowledge of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished. It's our assurance of salvation. And I think one of the most important things for this emerging generation, so I'm speaking to all of us, but in particular to you students or you uh, in your, your teens and 20s, 
is that assurance of your salvation, especially in light of the, the winds of doctrine and philosophy of our age right now, don't minimize the significance of who Jesus is. Do not lessen him to some moral teacher or some kind of saint that lived this great life that we can model. No, he is God in the flesh, conquered sin and death and set us free. And unless we let that authority take rule in our lives, we will not be rooted and grounded in him and we will blow over. We won't be able to distinguish between the philosophies that are being thrown at us at incredible speeds. But unless we're rooted, rooted and grounded in Christ and secure in our identity as a Christ follower, not about a church or this or this community or this worship trends, but about the person of Christ, our lives being so rooted in him, so uh, grafted in his life force that we find our significance only there. Now, let's look at um, what it means to live in him. It's being holy and blameless. See, this position that Jesus, when he accomplished his work on the Christ, he pronounced us before all the world holy and blameless. That's not because we've achieved anything righteous in and of ourselves, but it's a new position as a status because of what Christ did done on the cross and who he is, that he presents us always forevermore before his Father, holy and blameless. Turn to each other and say, brother or sister, you're holy and blameless. <laughs> that's, that's only something those who are grafted in, abiding in Christ, can claim that position, and that that's our new identity in Christ. Now, what threatens identity? Let's go to the next slide. Fear of being irrelevant, and I think that's where the church is struggling right now, uh, especially in the West. Fear of being irrelevant, that we begin to change our foundational doctrines to, um, to be relevant. Fear of rejection. We, we fail to be rooted in Christ because um, maybe... Right at the start of our faith journey, we fear, what are people going to think? That I've gone mad? That I'm crazy and insane about Jesus? Believing lies. One of the greatest assaults on our identity in Christ is we believe the lies of the enemy or the world around us who want to objectify us or, or label us by some other identity. Or it's we don't know the word. We're not grounded in the solid truth of what God has given us to know who we are in Christ. So I wonder what you identify with here in terms of your threat to your identity and being rooted in Christ. Just take a second to think, where are you struggling in that identity right now? And maybe you could add to this list yourself. And like Perpetua and Felicity, they were a community of believers, even though very small and insignificant. Even the believers we were encouraging and training in that same country uh, a few weeks ago, they're small, but they're rooted together in Christ and with one another that grows them more strong. And that's why the body of believers 
around us to grow, help us grow in that identity is so essential for us. If we go to the next slide, let's look at the next point. Let's say it together. Keep growing. The, the sure assurance of growing to maturity in Christ is being on a trajectory of growth towards Christ, always looking to him and walking towards him. Built up and established. That's what Paul says. He says rooted and built up. And he's using, he's kind of mixing metaphors. He's talking about the organic nature of, of, of plant growth, but then he's talking about also this building being built up, but it's, it's the sense of growing up towards Christ. The first part of that is having a teachable spirit. And also then surrendering our will to the will of the Holy Spirit, which is Christ in us. And then it's that walking. So just as you receive Christ Jesus, Lord, so walk in him. It's that daily decision of, I'm going to obey you today. I'm going to listen to your voice through your word and through prayer as I commune with you. And I'm going to walk towards you today. No matter what happened yesterday, today I'm going to decide to walk forward in you. And through that, we, we keep growing up towards Christ. If you go to the next slide, if we look at what threatens our growth, it's really the lack of urgency of the gospel in our own lives and in the lives of those around us. I I'm maybe unique with some of us that are more apostolic in our calling to bring the gospel to those areas of the world that haven't had even their first course of the gospel or that need to be regenerated in Christ like North Africa. But most of us live our Christian life without the urgency of the gospel that Christ will come back and there's a real, there's a real um, judgment day and we want people to join us with Christ. So our growth happens when we have this urgency about the gospel that we can't help but share it and welcome people into the life of Christ. Maybe it's the concerns of this life and the world that just threatens our growth. It seems to wear and bear down on us so greatly that how could we even think about growth? We can't even manage to get through today, let alone tomorrow. And we're so overwhelmed with the brokenness of our past that we're just so concerned. Or maybe it's our past failures where we, we can't believe that God could use us in a significant way because of who I think I still am because of what happened then. Maybe we, we've been so greatly hurt by um, someone else in our family or in the church in the past that we... We just, we can't even think about growth because we're just so broken over our past. Or it's the, the sin of comparison that happens in the church and where all the gossip and the comparison and this self-righteousness just thwarts growth because we're just stuck on, on looking right in the mirror or uh, comparing ourselves to those who we think are super saints and actually we don't really know what's happening in their heart. Or we don't know how to begin. We've never been discipled. There's no one that we can reach out to and say, will you walk with me in my life in Christ and disciple me? Help me to know how to grow, how to study the word of God. Discipleship is so key to our ongoing growth. Or maybe it's 
the lack of teachability. You're just a proud person. <laughs> That's a big, big part of my struggle and growth is I'm very proud, I'm very determined, and uh, oftentimes I'm not teachable. And God often has to just do something pretty drastic to get me to wake up and be teachable. And usually it's my wife who teaches me the most. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you can identify. And those who know my wife, that's a good teacher to have. Maybe it's the disunity in the body. Remember Paul in these opening words in chapter 2, he says um, that your hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love. And it's this wonderful word that means just this interwoven relationships that are meant to be the body. So as our roots grow deep, they should also grow wide. There's two types of trees, one that go really deep, and those are called shepherd trees in South Africa. And they grow, the roots you typically grow to over 300 feet deep. It's amazing, and the trees aren't that tall, but they, they spread out, and they're called shepherd trees, not because of their roots, but because their branches provide so much shade that shepherds love to rest under them. So we're called to grow out this way and be intertwined, or grow deep in our relationship with Christ, but also like redwoods, we know redwoods are super tall and beautiful, but it's, they grow in groves because their roots grow wide or broad, and they're intertwined, and that, that's the strength for a, a redwood, and it can stand the storms because it's so interconnected. And so we're called to grow deep and out with each other in our relationships. I want to share a little story in, as I wrap up and get to the last point. is rooted and built up. Um, this is a young disciple that I have the privilege of walking with. I just... We have once a week a discipleship session through WhatsApp, and uh, I'll call him Adam. He lives in a part of the world in East Africa, in the Horn, where um, the church is really struggled to, to be built up, and severe, severe persecution and just brokenness, devastating brokenness for many, many decades. But this young man came to faith. Uh, he reached out to us through the internet, and I've been discipling. We've never met in person, but we have video conferences on a weekly basis and communication almost daily. And this young man has become so rooted in Christ and so secure in his identity, even though he just was so bold in sharing his faith, immediately kicked out of his family, all funds cut off, and uh, told never to come back. But yet he, he's growing in his faith and he's finding his new identity. And this is what he, he wrote me just a few days ago, really I appreciate all the good friends and teachers whom God has given me, including you and others. When Satan thought to discriminate me, Jesus has given me other people. That's what I've really seen. Thank you, Rabbi. And he just, uh, last uh, Sunday at this time, he and his, uh, two of his friends were baptized in the ocean and I just celebrated. I, I was able to pray with the, the van load of people driving to the ocean as they were preparing for baptism and just praying over them. I asked, what do you want me to pray for? And they said, pray Luke 10:2. you know, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send more laborers. They said, ask the Lord to send more of our people's laborers so we can grow. And, and this is him praying over his city. And he's saying, uh, teacher John, I, I'm just praying that God would use me mightily in this place. And I'm so encouraged 
through his faith and that it's, re- it's growing because of his relationship and, and how God is building up the church there in that desperate land. Last point is be fruitful. The way we understand that we're rooted in Christ and we're continuing to grow is by what is manifest in our life. Think about what fruit is your life bearing today for Jesus. Where are you at with that? And as a church, what is the fruit that you can identify that God is manifesting through this place Bearing fruit in every good work, Paul commends them in the earlier chapter. Empowered, it's it's by being empowered, not in and of our strength or ability, but it's through the life force of the Holy Spirit in us, that indwelling spirit that is the one who produces the fruit. As we continue to be established, which really means a confirming, that we're so confirmed in our identity in Christ that that manifests itself through our story, And that's one of the things we train our people. We just got back from our summer ministries to refugees and migrants in Europe. But we train everyone. Don't make decisions for people by our lack of faith that they don't have an interest in Christ. And by our silence, we make a decision for other people to reject Christ. But we never give them the opportunity to actually engage with him. Tell your story in the light of the greater story of Christ and invite people into this magnificent story. And I tell you, at least one out of four people will be that fourth soil people that God wants to bear a harvest in. And I mentioned that last thing, abounding in thanksgiving. It it flows from our secure thankfulness, our heart of praise and, and glorification of God that says, thank you for saving such a sinner like me. And giving me this inheritance, I'm so thankful. And that thankfulness can spill out of our lives despite our daily circumstances. We can celebrate Thanksgiving. And that's probably the greatest fruit that we can bear to the world around us is having a thankful heart and letting that manifest. So in closing, what threatens fruitfulness, prayerlessness, Sin, the false teaching that was threatening uh, the, the church in Colossae, and you'll get more into that next week, and the complacency of just status quo Christianity, which is one of the worst, I think. It's when we get stuck there. Not sharing our faith, lacking that urgency, and then it, we find it hard to swim against the current. And maybe that's one of the greatest challenges I want to give us right now is let's be willing to flow against and swim against the current of this world in this age as secure identified believers in Jesus Christ let the fruit manifest and the greatest way is through the the master gardener the vine dresser being willing to cut back the dead branches in our life the the unfruitful things in our life that need pruning this is, um, my daughter is an a agricultural major at Davis, and she, in, in her first year of studies, three years ago, she had to um, create a, a, a grapevine, and she grafted these uh, grapevines together, and it was this little tiny plant, and it's just flourishing. 
But the reason it's flourishing, because she told me last year I had to cut it back down to the nub, like the, the stalk. And it was crazy. I thought I was going to kill this thing, how much I cut it back. But I was, it's just overflowing with fruit this year. So I just want to ask you, what, what is the hard work that God needs to do in your life today to prune back the dead weight and to allow for the new growth as you recognize your identity in him and you keep growing in him so that you can bear fruit. Lastly, as we think of these things, what do you need to believe, obey, and do today to get rooted, to keep growing, and to be fruitful? Just meditate that on that for a minute and then I'll close with a quote and a prayer. Bring up that quote, please. When Jesus has a collection of living stones he has pressed into usable shape, he often hides them in the earth and makes them strong enough to bear the weight of his church. What is our part? We take root downward. We excel in the hidden process of becoming like Jesus. We dig deep that we might bear fruit heavenward. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for this body as they're invited into daily fellowship with you, abiding in Jesus. And as the vine dresser, you, Father, do the work in our lives, the painful work of pruning back those things that are not fruit-bearing, that keep us and hinder us from growing in you. Father, let us all in a fresh way, surrender our will to yours to do that hard work, to prune back. We want to be like a fruitful vine, bearing fruit in every good season and in every good work that you have for us. Let this congregation continue on in the good fruit that you've done through decades here. Firmly establish them more and more in the faith. Knit them together in love as your body. And let them bear fruit upward towards heaven as many people come into your kingdom through their testimony. And Father, if there's anyone here that is needing to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, let this be the day that they choose to have a new identity in him. And I pray blessing upon blessing and confidence for them to step forward. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.